Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good afternoon, I guess. Good morning, good evening, depending on when you're listening to this, Bucknutters and Ohio State fans. I'm Patrick Murphy, and you're here listening to another Bucknuts Happy Hour. We took last week off because we needed a bit of a break and there was other stuff going on, but uh, I certainly wanted to do one this week. And then we got news today that I felt like was too good to not discuss. Um, I'm drinking water today, which is the first time I think on a Bucknuts Happy Hour episode. I haven't had at least one beer, a uh, little bit under the weather, feeling fine, but figure it's probably better to uh, to just have some water as opposed to, to the usual afternoon beer. We're recording this, excuse me, cheers. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, January 16th. We got word from CJ Stroud earlier today that he will in fact head to the NFL draft. He has officially declared we're going to discuss that. We are probably going to be joined by Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan and The Buckeye Show here in a little bit. He was having some uh, computer issues. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll probably get some of his takes on CJ, but we'll talk about Stroud. We'll talk about what this means for the Buckeyes and going forward, obviously the quarterbacks that are going to compete for that job. Uh, but we'll also dive into the second half of the show, dive into some of the other guys who have made decisions this offseason, who they are, who's going, who's coming back what that kind of means for the Buckeyes. And, and I've written some of that on Bucknuts. If you've seen some of that stuff already, there, there's been some content about that. So yeah, one thing I want to hear from you guys throughout the show, and I'll bring this up a couple of times, I'm curious what everybody's opinion 
what, what, how you will remember CJ Stroud. So throw that in the comment section. We'll discuss some of them as we go along. This is a quarterback who obviously put up some really good numbers throughout his Ohio State career, but also will have the fact that he didn't beat Michigan and he didn't win a Big Ten title, did get to a, to a college football playoff. So let's dive into Stroud. Made the announcement today. First, uh, f- first, I think we should talk about why this may have taken so long for CJ. Today being Monday is the final day that early NFL uh, entrance can can put their name in. They still have a technically a seventy two window, seventy two hour window to pull their name back out if they want, but they have to get their names in paperwork filed with the NFL by the end of the day, I believe today. So we were waiting on CJ. Everyone was waiting on CJ, and the longer we waited, the more the conversation began to circulate and speculate about will CJ come back? And and I know there were a lot of rumors floating out there. I want to tell you what I heard, what I was told, and kind of how I see this playing out. This is, comes from both information I was told by people that, that I trust uh, close to the program and, and whatnot, but also kind of some putting, putting pieces together here. Um, look, CJ had a decision to make. This wasn't as clear cut as it probably should have been, and I think there are a number of reasons for that. I think that he had to consider the the financial aspect, the fact that there's NIL at this point. And then he also had to um, really, you know, look at what he's done at Ohio State and what he wanted to do at Ohio State. And real quick, we're, we're going to bring in Timmy here. Tim, you made it. Hey, what's going hey, on, hey. Patrick? Not much. I told the people that you would be here when you could. You were having technical issues, but I'm glad to see you. It's good to see you too, brother. And uh, – I mean, here we are, right? Just a shocking announcement today that C.J. Stroud is going to do the normal and sensible thing and go to the best place in the world to display his craft. I can't imagine why he would have ever done that. Look, I just – it's another one of these examples where, to me, it just goes to show us we we cannot really get inside C.J. Stroud's head. We can't – try to think about what he's thinking about. We look at things through a different lens. We think of things in terms of, oh, but what about not beating Michigan? What about not winning a Big Ten championship as a starting quarterback? And while I'm I'm sure those things do matter to him, but he's already compartmentalized this. As I was going through this past week and people were talking about, you know, this being here or there and all the noise on social media and people thinking what they want to think and these ungodly NIL numbers that were just completely false. You go back and look at that man when he left the field against Georgia. I don't know if you were down there, Patrick, or got to look at him with your own eyes, but that told you everything you needed to know. I mean, he's doing like the, you know, for those of you watching on YouTube, he's kind of tapping his chest. He's pointing the fingers up. He was done. Like he already came to that realization that if they lost this game, that it was my last game wearing an Ohio state uniform. You could see that in his face. You could basically go back and pick that out of any, any one of his quotes after the Michigan game, after that game, like it was done. And Look, like I think the one thing for me, too, that kind of really just pulled it right out of my chest when it comes to sitting on our side of the fence and thinking about athletes and why they should come back or why it would be beneficial for them to come back. First of all, I can't even come up with any reasons 
many reasons in the pro column for CJ to do that. But when yeah. Malachi Branham left last year, it was just for me, you know what? I'm out on this. I'm just going to assume when there's a chance for these guys to be first round talents at whatever, they're gone. Just expect them to be gone. And then again, this case for CJ, like times it by 10 compared to what Malachi Branham's case was in a Buckeye sure. basketball sense. But that's kind of where I was on that. So that tells you, Pat, where I am on Bryce Sensabaugh, not to completely change the subject on you, but I'm already just he's a foregone conclusion that he's gone as well. It'd just be great if he did come back. Yeah, well, that's a podcast for later down the road when we dive into more basketball and, and get towards the end of the hoop season. Look, I was saying as, as you popped in here, um, I was told last week that there was consideration, more consideration than normal, that that CJ was thinking about coming back. Now, I also know people at Ohio State were preparing for life without CJ next year. The, the assumption in that building was we're moving on. We have a quarterback competition, all that. So CJ might have, you know, he's back home in California right now. There's been some videos of him throwing out, out there with, I think at the elite 11 facility or something, but I think that there, I, I know that there was more consideration paid to coming back than probably any other quarterback that's been in this situation before. I think that NIL played a part in it. I think some of that legacy talk, because CJ brought it up on his own after the Michigan game, that as you mentioned, he was talking almost in past tense as if he was already gone, but that, look, you know, I know how people will think that I never won that I never beat Michigan. I never won a big 10 title. So he's aware of that. And I think that gave him some pause. I also think that you can't just, you know, assume because a guy doesn't announce right away that he's giving it a lot of consideration. I mean, you know, there, there are other things, you know, he's busy with other stuff. Justin Fields didn't announce until the final day of, uh, you know, the final day that he, he was allowed um, Addison from USC, who's a surefire high pick just announced, you know, a short while before CJ did. So, right. Look, it's, it's not always that he's sitting out there and, and weighing it, but I do think from what I was told that, that there was some consideration about it. And, you know, I then heard by, I think it was Thursday or Friday of last week that he was definitely, you know, he had his mind made up. He'd gotten his, his ducks in a row in terms of agencies and things like that. And, and I put that on um, our message board there, but look, I, I think it's a weird time. And I think I was just listening. I was driving around listening to, to your guy's station, the fan and, and T-Bone was talking about uh, Andrew Luck came back at Stanford for, I think it was his fourth year, but his redshirt junior year. And, you know, so it's happened before, but it was ultimately not going to happen with CJ. But as you bring up Luck, and I don't know what, what T-Bone was saying about that. We actually brought him up on the, on the Buckeye show last week. As I recall that situation with Luck, he was never coming back. Like He was one of those rare cases where he was going to graduate and then he was going to go on. Everybody knew after that, you know, that when he first got hot, when he was even eligible, he could come out and possibly and be the number one overall pick. Yeah. But Andrew had never said that. Like that was just something that everybody else put on him and said, but sure. dude, you're, you're being dumb. And that's what I hate. I hate that when someone is going to go into someone else's body or mind and say you're making a dumb decision when people have 
their own agendas, you know? So that was the right decision for Andrew Luck. I'm right. sure there was some kind of insurance policy. That was a life choice that he chose knowing everything that was at stake money-wise down the road. But I, I get what you're saying there, but I, I, I remember that one differently because yeah, he wasn't saying that he was going to go or, or being totally quiet about it. And people were wondering, walking on eggshells, is he going to leave or is he going to come back and it shocked us? That was always like a luck was coming back. And then after the next draft or after the next season, he was still the number. He was still good. He played well. He didn't get hurt. And he was the number one overall pick. So I guess there's just an example there of how it could still work out for you. If you if you had it in your heart that you were a, a supreme talent and maybe we will see that one day. Right. With NIL. Clearly, I don't think you're at the point where these collectives or anybody is going to be able to put up the kind of money that you're you're going to be able to to see with NFL first round money, especially no. When you look at the top picks, it's uh, I, I do wonder when we're going to get back to say when uh, Sam Bradford was scoring, what, 50 million. And then it took a big dip with what right. the rookie salary structure was. I wonder if NIL will ever like get to a point where it kind of makes the NFL want to supercharge what they're I mean, as the economy you know, does what it does. Yeah. Naturally, the salaries are going to continue to go back up for the NFL. But I wonder what that scale is going to continue to look like. If, if we do see some decisions where big time stars stay the extra year in college football, when, you know, people in the NFL are expecting to get their paws on them. I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal because football is still a sport where you got to stay three years before you're even eligible. And we're seeing a guy like Marvin Harrison jr. Even CJ Stroud last year, you're seeing guys that are good enough, physical enough, talented enough to even go after two years. But they're just not allowed. So, you know, the itch, I think, is still going to be there after three for a lot of guys. Yeah, I think in order for that to really become a thing, and, and maybe you will see an NIL deal and a guy who, you know, just loves college and there may be a situation where it all works out. And frankly, CJ might have been that guy if if things had fallen. You know, he's he's not your normal college football player, though it was always his dream to play in the NFL. But I think, to your point, if if there's ever enough money to keep a guy in college, I think it's would have to change to where the schools or, or you're allowed to make these players directly paid from the school or from, you know, something like that, where they essentially become contracted employees and, and they're not really student. I think a lot of that would have to shift to have that much money to be able to give to money. a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know when that happens. Um, but yeah, with the luck example, I mean, he was very different. Look, he retired <laughs> in the prime of his career, right? Like that's, that's a unique example. Um, I just, I, you know, it, it has happened. Guys who were expected to be high picks have come back before. Um, you know, you see it in basketball from time to time too. Uh, what's his name in, at Kentucky came back after being national player of the year last year. Uh, so, you know, at some point I imagine we'll see this with NIL, but yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you this, Tim, and, and I put this out there for people in our comment section. So feel free to keep throwing that in there, but how are you going to remember CJ Stroud? Because it's an interesting legacy that he leads leaves numbers. Great Heisman finalists. You know, he's it, depending on how you define it, either the first or second guy in Ohio state history to be a two-time finalist. And there's all that on the individual side team side. Obviously you, you do get the college football playoff at the end there. And, and what a great performance CJ had in that game against Georgia, but you obviously don't beat Michigan and, you know, I don't know if it's entirely fair to put wins and losses on a quarterback, but we see it happen all the time. So how do you how do you feel like you're going to remember CJ down the line? 
I'm going to remember him fondly. I think that's the most important thing is just when you think of a guy, do you have, you know, positive or negative vibes about yeah. him? And first things first is, is I got a positive feeling about him, you know, and just the, the way that he played the game and just how, how much fun it was to watch this guy play the position when he was in a groove, you know, is this dude was a streaky player. And when he started spinning that rock, man, it, it was fun to watch. It really was like you, you talk about a guy that can throw dimes that can drop the football into tight windows, yeah. special, special arm talent from CJ Stroud. Everything that you just said on top of that, like when you start to break it down or you get into those debates with your buddies about your top five Buckeye quarterbacks of all time, that those kind of discussions to me do become a little bit more than just what the player was. You almost have to have a separate ranking for me when you talk about pure talent at the quarterback spot, because if we're doing that, I think it's really it's two guys and that's the last two. It's, it's Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud. If you're having that conversation and then uh, Dwayne with his one special season that that comes into the into play, too. And for those, I mean, you talk about, you know, a few different things, time given to the program and how many years did you spend as a starter? Two seasons is certainly a whole lot more than just one. If that's all you're able to give here to Ohio State before you make your own personal free choice to go on to the NFL, which is totally fine. But it's just going to adjust how you do these rankings and whatnot in my mind. And so, you know, all-time Buckeye quarterback, when you look at everything in a team sport example, it is tough, Pat, because he did not start at quarterback and beat Michigan. He did not start at quarterback and win a Big Ten championship. So there's the caveat there, as he's one of the more talented guys we've ever seen play the position here in Ohio State football history. But he missed two of the key things in both of his years as a starter that a lot of his predecessors were able to get. And unfortunate as it is, CJ knows it. He's a grown-up, and you could kind of see it on his face when he was making those decisions to leave, and he knew it was going to be this way. He, You just have to accept it. And I think the way that he played in that Georgia game, finally you know, ducking his head down and running a little bit when the team needed him to, that changed a lot of minds. It kind of pulled me back around just with how – I will have those positive vibes and, and good memories about CJ just when we just think about him as a player. Yeah, I think if he goes out, if that's a loss to Georgia by 14 points and he doesn't have the greatest game, um, or even if he does and just doesn't run like that, you know, I think the running really, you know, that was the criticism, right? Fair or not, that was what people always you know, said about him was he's, he's not willing to do that stuff when you need him to. And, you know, I don't, I think you can be a really good quarterback without doing that. But in today's college football, especially, and even in the NFL to some degree, you know, picking up those three yards, so to speak, are important. But I think the way he went out in that game, uh, because it's the last memory people will have, will, will be is important to his legacy. I don't know if I've, I mean, in in person at least, watching some of the throws he made, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that. I was at every single game he played as a, as a starting college quarterback. Uh, I mean, there's some ridiculous throws out there. And, he, and obviously he's got receivers, and we know that kind of debate that happened around Justin Fields and whatnot. But you, know, you still have to make some of those throws and then put it on the money. And then the way he was thrown on the move in the college football playoff this year, finding Marvin Harrison for those two touchdowns and whatnot. I mean, Justin Fields was really, really good at Ohio State. And, 
I would have loved to see him have that full 2020 season to see what numbers he could have put up. But CJ, CJ's just got that arm. And uh, that's what I'm going to remember the most is, is just the way he could spin that ball and, and get it to where he wanted. Um, you know, it, it did bite him a few times. He was willing to take some risks. And, you know, I think he had 12 career interceptions, six in each season. So, you know, he, he did he did get bit a little bit by trying to, to fit it in to tight windows sometimes. But I think you live with that, especially at a place like Ohio State where you're usually the better team. Um, yeah, I will have very positive memories of him. And, you know, of CJ the person, uh, he, was a, he was a great guy to deal with. And I know fans don't often get that interaction. Um, I don't know how much you ever interacted with him, Tim, but I know obviously you listen to his press conferences and whatnot. I really liked CJ and, you know, yeah, he could be a little confrontational sometimes when he disagreed with the running stuff and, you know, kind of push back on some things. But for the most part, uh, he was always great to talk to. I, I went and found him after the press conference, after the Michigan game, I thought, you know, that may be the last post game press conference we had with him. Turns out we, we had the Heisman and we had another one, but uh, you know, I just told him thanks for, for always, you know, after every loss, he got up there and talked and I know you're the quarterback. You're supposed to do that, but, it's, uh, you know, that, that means something to someone like me who's trying to do my job. And, and he was always great at giving answers and being honest and breaking things down. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be very successful at the next level. Yeah. I, you know, when, when you start talking about CJ and uh, what his NFL future is going to be like, I, I really did need to see that performance against Georgia. And I know yeah. you, you don't want to you ever put too much or too little into one game, but it was a big game, right? And yeah, even with Georgia's defense, you know, losing a lot of guys on from last year's team to the NFL, they still have NFL dudes on oh, that yeah. defense. So anytime you play the best team in the SEC, you know that that defense is likely going to have three, four, five, six NFL dudes, even though that Georgia one wasn't as good, like I just said, as last year. It's like a couple of those throws that he made. You mentioned the two touchdown passes to Marvin Harrison Jr. It's those are the type of throws that make you believe that he can stick around a little bit longer than some of these other Ohio State quarterbacks that we thought would as a starter. And I know jury's still out on Justin Fields and how he's going to go. Yeah, had an electrifying season this year, but still, with as horrible as the Bears are, I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet. Like, like some uh, Buckeye fans are that that watch the Bears kind of impartially. But CJ, I think he's the got the best shot as far as you have, you know, Bryce Young, and then to me, it kind of takes a big dip, and people think Will Levis is going to be all that, and then you got the Florida quarterback and I'm not certain about, you know, all these guys getting to that second contract and getting a big time second contract. But I think I got the most stock in CJ Stroud right now, if I had to go with one, just because the, the grit that he showed me in that game against Georgia and how he could throw and make those tough throws under duress. That's, that is always going to be life in the NFL. I mean, you, you get a couple injuries, like look what Joe Burrow was going through last night when three of his offensive linemen are out. The one task yeah. for them was to rebuild that O-line, and then Jonah Williams goes out. Not saying he's the greatest anyway, but was going to be a little drop-off back to Jackson Carmen there. You you have to just live your life that way, and you got to get back up, dust yourself off, and not be afraid to step up in the pocket and, and get hit a little bit and throw it and take off and get those three yards rushing or five yards, whatever it is. So the whole performance just 
just sort of reinforced him for me that I think he's got a, a pretty good shot wherever he goes. Let's look forward. Um, CJ, you know, he's on his way out, which means Ohio State will need a new quarterback. And I think most people by now know the names that are going to be in this competition. But just in case you, you don't pay attention that closely, Kyle McCord, who's been CJ's backup the last two years, uh, former five-star kid out of Philly, went to high school with Marvin Harrison Jr. So there's that connection there. Devin Brown uh, out from Utah, originally from California, who was a freshman this past season, didn't play a ton, um, was really kind of real late in games uh, after Kyle McCord came out. And, uh, you know, those will really be the two that are going to compete. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Keinholtz is going to be a, a freshman. There's been talk about whether he was going to enroll early or not. I don't think he is on campus yet, but I could be mistaken on that. I'd have to check with Bill Curlick, who keeps track of all that stuff for us. Um, I know it was kind of back and forth on what he was going to do, but either way, I think it's going to come down to, I think most people think it's going to come down to McCord, Devin Brown. Tim, I have my thoughts on this, but you've seen McCord a decent amount. He's got one start, that which was in 2020 or in 2021, um, and then Devin Brown a little bit. What What's kind of your read on this really early on and as we talk about this quarterback competition that's going to take place this offseason? Well, my my read on it at this stage of the game, Patrick, is we're kind of entering the most interesting offseason that we've had yet under Ryan Day for a guy who's really his number one strength as a head coach is finding quarterbacks, developing the quarterbacks. And it's a great thing to have. Like, it's a great strength to have with your head coach because – you know, right, right or wrong, you know, you, you can't you can't win in college football unless you have a great quarterback. You can't win at any level of football if you don't have a great QB. So, you know, it, it just it's a lot less of a sure thing when we were at that offseason after Justin Fields. It was C.J. Stroud. Like the talk was there. Right. It was, you know, wh wherever you looked, whether that was just buzz on social media or real insight from people that were close to the team or just looking at this dude and knowing what he was, knowing what his sort of trajectory was going to be, it was kind of a sure thing that CJ was not only going to take over as QB1, but he was going to be really, really freaking good too. It was just a matter of how good. Is he going to be as good as Justin Fields, slightly worse or even better? That That's really where you were. It was a pretty good starting block. So I, I don't think either of these guys start off at that point, but that's not to say that, you know, as they get the ball and as they get acclimated into this system, that they don't gain confidence, that they don't lean on the strengths, the strengths of this team. But if you go back and watch, you know, Kyle McCord and like his, if you go back to his very first throws in college football when it was against Akron, he had a shaky first series. You know, that ball was going everywhere. But again, I'm not going to hold him to that. That was his first few throws as a as a college quarterback. So. I, I think Devin Brown provides maybe a little bit more of a of a running element, and I think this is going to be more of a dogfight than than maybe the star rating suggests. Just because Kyle McCord was a five star QB and threw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. when he was in high school, and he's got one more year under his belt, I'm not convinced yet, Patrick, that this is automatically his gig going into next year. And no one from Ohio State's going to say that publicly either, but what is what is your read on that? Uh, are you kind of 
leaving this door cracked open for Devin Brown to be the guy in 23, or is it McCord all the way? The door is definitely open for Devin yeah. Brown. Um, everything that I've heard about these guys, uh, both, first of all, I want to say, I know it, you're, you're definitely right on, on kind of the, the read with when Stroud was taking over versus right now. And, and I don't know why that is. Um, Cause I do think, I know that oh, the Ohio state staff has been impressed with both of these kids uh, at times in practice. And, and obviously they just haven't had a ton of experience. I know Ryan day would have liked to get Kyle McCord some more, you know, actual throwing the ball in game situations, but he also doesn't want to run up the score on teams. But this to me is as real of a quarterback competition that Ohio state has had probably since the year after the 2014 national championship game, when you had Cardale and JT coming back and you know, that one was weird. What, about, there what was, about Joey B and Dwayne? That one was, yeah, I mean, I, that one was, I felt like that one got, I mean, obviously got settled early on. Like to me, this goes yeah. into fall camp. I mean, unless sure, one sure. guy just really, you know, takes the, takes it by the reins. Um, I think, you're, you're right. That was definitely a real quarterback competition. I just he feel had like the, it, he had kind of the hand injury that kind of took right, made it tough for Joe to even get fully yeah. in. I think it would have been and much, much more of one. But agreed. you know, you're right. You're right. If you go back before that, yeah, because yeah, Dwayne had that game where he came in against Michigan and looked good. Um, and there was talk about would he start in the Big Ten championship game because JT got hurt, was hurt in the Michigan game and all that. And, yeah, I, I think just Dwayne had a lot of buzz around him just because of that arm and everything. And I think this is like legitimately these two guys are going to be start at zero, even though Kyle McCord, you know, there's film on him and things. They, they've they He's been around the program. But I think they're going to start at about the same spot and, and one of them is really going to have to earn it. I was interested when Dave Biddle uh, talked to Devin Brown and, and that story's up on our site. It was up while we were in Atlanta, but at Media Days, Devin Brown talked about while CJ was gone for the Heisman, how he stepped up, you know, he felt like he stepped up as a leader and, you know, kind of filled that CJ Stroud void. Now that's just Devin Brown's perspective on it. I'm sure if you talk to Kyle McCord, he would say something similar, but interesting to hear a freshman, you know, willing to put himself into that leadership role early on. Um, what does that mean? When, what does that mean? Stepped up into a role when CJ went to New York? Yeah. When he was, you know, when they're practicing, and for the, the the bull prep, yeah, and and uh, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but the the wording, you know, it's just usually you as a freshman, I think you kind of take the back seat, and especially when there's another quarterback in that room who's been in the program two years, um, you know, I, I I it just grabbed my attention that he was he wanted he wants to be the leader of this team even when there's an older guy who he knows he's going to compete with, and you know so. Between that and between what I've been told to some degree about, you know, the possibility that Ohio State would like to have more mobility at the quarterback position, all things being equal, obviously. And, and Kyle McCord is not an unathletic guy. Let's be clear about that. But you, as you said, I think Devin Brown is, is more in that running quarterback mold with, with an arm. I'm not saying Devin Brown's going to win the job. I'm just saying, like you said, I don't think just because Kyle McCord was the five-star kid and has been in the program longer, he's the shoe in to win the job. One of these guys is going to have to earn it. And, uh, you know, that that's going to encompass everything they do this offseason. 
I saw somebody comment back there. It just drifted upward, though. And I agree with that sentiment that he was, Stephen was saying, play the best guy. And I, yeah, yeah put the best quarterback on the field. 100% agree. This is big time college football. Just because you got a year extra in the program and you feel you've been waiting for your shot, talk to anybody in any job. You know, sometimes how long you've been somewhere ain't going to really matter. And if you dwell on things like that for, for most of your life, that you just feel you earned something because you're sitting in a certain chair and you've been waiting the best and you've been a, I don't know, good boy or girl. And I'm not saying that's Kyle McCord anyway, but I'm just saying I agree with that. That would suck for Kyle, but if these guys duke it out and Devin's clearly the better guy, I am kind of in the school of thought that if you cannot decide, like if two guys and you're going to bed every night thinking, man, like both of these guys give us an incredible chance to win. They're both gamers. I like what they're both about. If all things are equal, everything's equal, yeah. maybe you take seniority as a as a tipping point. But you know, some, you'll, or, see, you'll see rookies outplay veteran quarterbacks in the league. They're just more talented, and you got to play them. You got to make that call. And Devin spent a year in here too, so he's he's a Buckeye yeah. right now. Let's go. Let's battle it out. Well, and to your point, I think too, if everything is equal and those guys are you know arm wise and whatnot look about the same, do you lean towards that athleticism side to to have a guy who can get outside the pocket and do some things? more so than, than what you've had the last couple of years. Good. Yeah, potentially. Good. As long as Devin Look, can throw it. And I mean, right. his highlight, his high school film suggests that he can certainly put the the football into a tight window as well. But I, I do, you know, I, I would expect either one of these guys, I, I have less of an inkling than I did say with CJ or with yeah. Dwayne when he took over or when Justin came in, I would expect a game of struggles, like a game of struggles that we're not really used to seeing around here. Are you kind of with me there? Because it's just, I, I like both these quarterbacks and they do have weapons. It just doesn't feel like you have a, a automatic superstar Heisman type quarterback until we actually see something. I'm just saying like in that first four games, right? And well, it's we not easy. Notre first four games. The Notre Dame game is going to be the fourth one. So yeah, but man. you start it with a Big Ten game on the road in Indiana. And I know true. Indiana's that's not true. the yeah, but it's not you know that's not a home game at noon against Western Michigan. I mean that's a that's a Big Ten game. And I what the one thing I don't want to see coming out of this is I don't want to get to that Indiana game, and I think even earlier than that. But I don't think you you start the year with two quarterbacks. I can't stand when that happens. I think somebody needs to win the job. I'm with you. I don't know I'm how you me. get through all off season and you know, you're, you're like, well, no one's won the job yet. We're going to play them both. I just know. I, I don't think that ever works. So I, uh, yeah, I, I think you've got to find somebody, but that's on the quarterbacks too. They, they have to do it. And I do think this will go into fall camp and I don't think it will just be Ryan day saying, we're taking it in the fall camp. All right. Last thing I want to ask you, Tim, before I, I let you go, because I know you got stuff with the fan. If uh, if you're looking in your crystal ball, you know, obviously there's a lot of factors here. Where does CJ Stroud end up in the NFL draft this year? Oh, God. You know, 
I was looking at one of these. I was looking at one of these mocks. I think it was a pro football focus one uh, earlier. And, you know, are you also a little bit surprised at some of these having him as the third, possibly fourth quarterback selected? I, I can't see it. I really, I don't understand that, but these NFL scouts and these GMs, they think what they think and they, they see the size of a Will Levis and they, they see the arm of a, of an Anthony Richardson at Florida. And I understand that, but I don't, I don't see how, how CJ Stroud is not either, you know, the first or the second quarterback taken off the board. What about you? I just haven't given this a good hard study yet, Patrick. I'll probably do it right after I'm done here since you caught me. But what are we, we're looking with the the Bears of the number one pick. So they'll trade they'll trade out of that. Somebody will move up. You think that the Houston Texans would would go up there and get him? And a lot of people are saying Bryce Young right now. So what's yeah. it going to be? Is it going to be the Colts after that? Yeah, potentially. I think. Look, I think CJ, when he gets to the combine, assuming he's 100% healthy, I think he's going to wow a lot of people because, you know, Bryce Young, measurables aren't great. Um, he's, he's six good. feet tall. He, yeah, he is six feet tall, but he just doesn't look, you know, I've, I've seen them stand next to each other at the Heisman two years ago. CJ Stroud looks like an NFL quarterback, and Bryce Young looks more like the new age NFL quarterback. Now, that's not to say he won't be very good and he won't impress people, and maybe he'll be the first quarterback, but. I think CJ is going to do a lot of good things at the combine. I think he'll interview well. I think he can change some minds there. Um, you know, I, I don't, I didn't watch a lot of Will Levis. I have a friend who's a Kentucky fan who swears he's a better quarterback than CJ Stroud. Uh, but uh, that's huh. just, that's just somebody, somebody I know that, that really likes the Wildcats. I, to me, I don't know how he's not the second quarterback off. Um, Richardson from Florida. I was really impressed with him early on in the season. Then he fell off, and obviously the throwing is a, is a big issue there. So, look, CJ showed what he could do against Georgia. And uh, yeah, Bryce Young has obviously played Georgia as well in, in the past. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I To me, CJ is the best pro prospect uh, Ohio State's had. Dwayne was that guy before. but uh, Well, it's it's yeah. got – it comes down to what – we think and know of him as Ohio State guys. Sure. And there's definite bias that you almost have to remove yourself from because we've been watching every single throw. Absolutely. Neither you or I can sit here and say that we've done that for Bryce or for Will Levis, certainly for Richardson. So I, I understand that. So I almost like I know what I would think. And then I'd probably drop back a couple because so many different sources and sites are viewing it this way. So it's got to be some somewhat of a balance between what we think we know as guys that have covered and watched CJ for every throw of his career. So maybe maybe I will put in a prediction of, say, the Raiders. I know that's one that's kind of going around, too. The Vegas Raiders somewhere in that top ten. I don't know what they're where they're picking or if they could trade up a little bit, but maybe somewhere in that five to ten spot with uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at this point because they clearly need a guy. Yeah, well, we'll see. A lot will change between now and late April when the draft happens, and there'll be a lot of different projections and teams being talked about. Trades will happen and whatnot. All right, Timmy, get out of here. Thank you for uh, joining the happy hour this week and uh, bet, talking man. some CJ Stroud with us. You bet, buddy. Thanks for All everybody right. uh, checking it out here today. All right, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later this week. All right, see you, Pat.
All right, exactly. All right. Well, that was the first more than half of the the Bucknuts Happy Hour today. That was our CJ Stroud segment of the show. I want to dive into some of the other guys from Ohio State who have made decisions about their their future, be it NF going to the NFL draft or coming back. Um, if you've been paying attention, Ohio State's kind of got a mixed bag of decisions. Most of them, I don't think, were very surprising. Um, you look, they've had five guys that are early in uh, early entrance into the NFL draft. Safety Ronnie Hickman, who told us before the Michigan game he was he was going pro. Paris Johnson, I think everyone expected him. The left tackle is a two-year starter at Ohio State. Jackson Smith and Jigba, everyone expected that, especially with, with the injury um, he's, he's had this year. C.J. Stroud, who we've talked about throughout this show, and then Luke Whipler, the center. And that's the one that I think a lot of people were surprised about. Luke, yes, a two-year starter at center, but I don't know if he was – I think a lot of people looked at looked at some of his film and thought this is a guy that can and should come back and play another year at Ohio State. Um, played well, don't get me wrong, but I think he could have benefited. But there's a lot that goes into the the decisions to to go pro, other than just am I ready? And and these guys get evaluations from the NFL. Basically, the way they do it now is it tells you first round pick, uh, go back to college type of thing. Uh, and so I don't know what Luke Whipler was told, but he decided he was ready to go out of those guys. You know, obviously CJ Stroud is going to be a big miss. Um, Ronnie Hickman is a guy who had what I will call an inconsistent season. Um, I think there were times where he was really good. There were other times when he struggled quite a bit, um, you know, you can look back. I mean, even in the, the college football playoff game against Georgia, I don't know if, if he was already, because he'd already decided that he was headed, if his head wasn't completely in it. Uh, there were at times I thought, you know, where is the player we saw two years ago that led the Ohio State in tackles? Uh, but there were also some really good moments for Ronnie Hickman. So, you know, I'll be interested to see where he ends up and what his NFL career looks like. Jackson Smith and Jigba, interesting situation you know i think coming into the season i would have said surefire you know first round top 15 somewhere around where chris Olave and garrett wilson went last year but not, not playing this season certainly will affect his draft stock he's one that obviously won't affect ohio state nearly as much as these other guys because ohio state knows what life is like without jackson smith and jigba with him only playing in really three halves of football and in three separate games this year after that injury against Notre Dame. Um, so, you know, those guys look, they're certainly losses. I think you could throw Dewan Jones in there as well. Technically he had eligibility left, but took part in uh senior day and, and those things, you know, if you're Ohio state and I, I wanted to bring this up with Tim while we were talking about CJ, but we went off on a different topic. Not only now do you have to replace CJ, you you have to replace both tackles and now your center. And I I have a story that'll come out later this evening about the offensive line and what that's going to look like next year. And and I said in it, this is almost you know it's it's one of the most important off season questions, decisions, however you want to phrase it, for Ohio State because 
yeah, you can have the quarterback and, you know, Ohio State will obviously have to figure that out. You'll have the running backs, the receivers, tight end, Cade Stover's back. But what you don't know that you have is an offensive line. Um, there's there's some options there. Yeah, you could you have Matthew Jones back. You have uh, Donovan Jackson, who is going into his third year, wasn't eligible for the NFL draft yet back. Those two give you a starting point. Um, but now you've got to figure out, okay, who's going to play tackles? Do you move Donovan Jackson out to left tackle? Do you keep him at left guard? Uh, do you, where do you play Josh Fryer, who played a good amount of snaps as kind of the sixth offensive lineman this year? Um, does he play probably the right tackle, but could he move to the left tackle? Um, and then, you know, Zen Mikowski, is he your other tackle? If you're moving guys, if you're moving the guards around, you have to replace the guards. you got a lot of young guys in there. Is Jacob James your center, or is that where Matthew Jones goes? There's a long history of Ohio State uh, guards that moved to center late in their career. Corey Lindsley, Pat Elfline, Billy Price, who all did really well and, and are still doing well for themselves in the NFL. Is that the, the path for Matthew Jones in his last year of college football, kind of showing that he can play any of those three interior positions, gives you experience at the center position? Matthew Jones, I thought, played pretty well this year while he was battling a foot injury, I think it was, throughout the season. So some some uh, some questions to be answered by Justin Fry in this offensive line. Look, you've got to get that group figured out. Now they could still get the transfer portal. Um, they've gone after, I think it was four different tackles that they've offered scholarships to and missed on, which, you know, to me is a little perplexing. Uh, you have a place in Ohio State where you can go and, and market yourself, obviously, before the leaving for the NFL. A lot of these guys are older guys, and you know, Ohio State's continued to produce top offensive linemen, and there's a clear opportunity. But, again, other factors at play there. So they've missed on those four. They've started to look, after Luke Whipler departing, at some center options. I don't know if any scholarship offers have gone out, but there's been some communication there. So, look, Ohio State's definitely kicked the tires, um, offensive line, transfer portal guys. And if they don't get one in, in this window, which closes here in the next few days, the window opens up again in May after spring practice. And there will be more guys that jump into the portal between now and that point. So Ohio State will, will have some options, have some other guys that they can go after uh, on the offensive line. And, and that's going to be true on the defensive side of the, the ball, too. You've had – you know, we, we mentioned the guys that, that are leaving, coming back. You you got Lathan Ransom, who also announced here on Monday, shortly after, well, didn't announce, I think it was Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch, talked to his father. He's planning on coming back. So you've got one of your starting safeties from this year. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Josh Proctor, which leads me at least to this point, believe he's, he's sticking around. I'd heard some things that he was at least considering uh, looking into to his options. But as of now, he remains still on the roster. He's a guy who obviously started the year as a starting safety for Ohio State and then you know, kind of saw his time diminish as Lathan Ransom came on. You'll, you'll have to fill that void um, from Ronnie Hickman leaving early. And, and now you'll also have Tanner, uh, uh, excuse me, Tanner McAllister, who is out of eligibility. But Ohio State did just get a transfer portal guy a couple weeks ago, Jihad Carter from Syracuse. He should step in probably right in that um that role that, that Tanner McAllister kind of that slot safety nickel corner position um so you you have that probably filled with with a transfer portal guy it would not surprise me if Ohio State looks 
to add a transfer portal cornerback at some point. Again, they can do something after this window as, as more guys potentially enter the portal. That would give them the spring to see what they've got at corner. But you right now are, are looking at six scholarship cornerbacks heading into the 2023 season. And, and that's what the Buckeyes rode with this past year. But I think you'd like to add more depth. Denzel Burke is really your only true returning starter. Cameron Brown is out of eligibility. J.K. Johnson entered the portal and I believe ended up at LSU, if I remember correctly. So, look, the, the Buckeyes will have the opportunity to go add there. Um, th- there's been some talk also about defensive linemen. I don't know how much they they have looked into to defensive linemen in the portal. Um, but I think right now they're, they're kind of focused on, let's see what we've got heading into spring practice. Let's give these guys an opportunity. You know, you've, you've got some young talent at the cornerback position and, and in the secondary, you want to take a look at, you know, a guy like Sonny Styles. where does he end up? Um, you, you did get back. And I forgot to mention this, the linebacker position, both starting linebackers, Tommy Eichenberg, steel chambers, and that's huge. Uh, it will put off maybe seeing a guy like CJ Hicks starting sooner, but I think you like the idea of having Tommy Eichenberg and, and steel chambers back. I talked to CJ Hicks, at the media day for um, the peach bowl. And, you know, he's a guy, he's an Ohio guy. and He seems very happy with his situation. So I'm not worried about, I know there's been some talk about does Tommy Eichenberg coming back mean he's transferring. Look at you. I mean, anything's possible, but I don't expect that. I think, uh, I think the defense, you know, you, you got more good news than bad news there um, on that side of the ball in terms of guys leaving guys going pro and now it's about putting it all together. And that's what this offseason is, is really going to be. Uh, both sides of the ball, frankly. We talked about the quarterback position. We talked about the offensive line. The secondary is going to be huge. I, I have said this a few times in, in different places, but I think a second year under Jim Knowles and this defensive staff is only going to help this group. I think you, you – I know – The Buckeyes made some big strides this year in terms of turning this defense around, but it was never going to be a one-year project. It was always going to to take some time to get this defense to where it wants to be. I think Jim Knowles too has to look in the mirror, look at what happened this year and, and, you know, potentially I don't, I don't expect him. And I put this on our message boards the other day on Bucknuts. I don't expect him to change. I think he knows that what he does can be successful at, at this level and, and he's had success, but I do think that you can tweak things, um, you know, especially in these big time games. I mean, you know, you weren't, I, I, the fact that he was competing in the big 12 was great with Oklahoma state, but now you're at, at in the big 10, you're competing against, you know, a team like Michigan, you're going to the college football playoff. You hope you want to play with teams like Georgia, um, you know, things can be better on the defensive side of the ball, no doubt about it. So look, there will definitely be some evaluation of, of the defensive side of the ball. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here for this week's Bucknuts happy hour is uh, the staff changes that Ryan day announced last week. The biggest of those being Brian Hartline uh, taking over as offensive coordinator. This is a move that makes a lot of sense. You want to keep, Brian Hartline in this program as long as possible. Um, you want, I don't think you needed to keep him happy. I think Brian's made it very clear that he's been happy at Ohio state. He 
He likes working with the wide receivers. He's not necessarily eager to, to move on to anything else, but you also have to realize this is a, one of the hottest names in, uh, in coaching right now. And people were going to come after him. Opportunities were going to come his way. And the, the chance now to step into a bigger role, this is a second straight off season. He's been promoted last year. It was, I think passing game coordinator title was, was added um, this year. He's filling in for Kevin Wilson, who departed to be a head coach again, and he's going to be the offensive coordinator. I think you're never going to have Ryan Day completely step out of running the offense. The fact that there's been talk about him giving up play calling is certainly interesting because there's a lot that goes on in, in the coaching world that being a head coach right now. So, you know, does Brian Hartline take that on? He's never called plays before. It was not indicated when it was announced that Brian Hartline was going to be the offensive coordinator, that he would call plays. We've not yet gotten a chance to talk with Ryan Day about this since Kirk Herbstreit kind of put this out here before the Rose Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Um, if Ryan Day does give up play calling, and assuming there's not a major shakeup to someone on the staff, there definitely will be a first-time play caller, be it Brian Hartline, be it Justin Fry. Neither of them have called plays before, though Justin Fry was – an offensive coordinator with with UCLA under Chip Kelly. Um, the thing I think with Brian Hartland, whether he's calling plays or not, is he's grown up with Ryan Day as his coach, um, his head coach, basically, or at least the offensive coordinator since he's been in the program. He knows the offense that Ryan wants to run. Now, you get in the booth, the heat of the, the game, all those things. I mean, that's something you'd like to have somebody with experience. And obviously, Ryan showed in that game against Georgia that he can still call a hell of a game. But if you think if you being Ryan day, think that it's better for the program as a whole to step out and take kind of a big picture view of this program and, and let other people kind of micromanage certain things like play calling, for instance, I assume that he is not going to hand those reins over to anybody without giving it some serious thought and making sure that this program doesn't take a, a step back. And so you know, Brian Hartline seems like he will be that guy, but again, no official word on, on the play calling situation. And then have to mention Keenan Bailey, a guy who's really done a lot behind the scenes for this program for a long time has turned down opportunities for uh, opportunities elsewhere to remain with Ohio state has been waiting for an opportunity to become a full-time head coach. And he got that again with Kevin Wilson leaving Keenan Bailey become the tight ends coach. If you talk to players and I've talked to a number of them, Keenan Bailey is a name that comes up a lot in terms of things he does. Um, I think CJ Stroud said at the Heisman, when he was asked about Keenan Bailey, that he's a guy that will, will do a lot of the extra film work with these players. I think he called his office, the cave or the Kate, I think it was the cave. Cause it's, you know, they, they go in there, it's dark. They're watching film. A lot of times it's late at night. Um, obviously this changes a little bit when you become the tight ends coach, but this is another guy, a young, exciting prox prospect in the coaching ranks that Ohio state wanted to keep around. And I think this is a guy you'll hear more and more about, um, you know, kind of as he, as he continues to, to build his resume and, and, you know, work through, um, being a, an assistant coach, full-time assistant coach now at Ohio state. And it'll be interesting on, I was asked the other day on the defensive side of the ball, I was on, I think, Tyvis Powell, who's come on this show a couple of times, asked me about it. And if I thought there'd be staff changes on that side of the ball, 
look, they, they've made these announcements. I don't know why you would wait if you were planning on making staff changes um, on the defensive side, but I don't see them. I don't see Ohio state parting ways with, with any of the three coaches that just finished their first year, that being Jim Knowles, Perry Eliano and Tim Walton. I think they're going to give them the opportunity to work a second year, more of their guys, guys that understand the system. They are working together more, which helps out. I wonder, and this is entirely speculation on my part, what happens with Larry Johnson this off season. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously been the retirement rumors for a long time. Does he want to, does he want to fit with what Larry or with uh, what Jim Knowles wants to do? How is that all working? The defensive line once again was, was good, not great um, this year. And, you know, you, you have to, you have to wonder if it's, if it's all working as well as it could be. Um, I don't think Larry Johnson is a guy that, that Ohio state would push out the door because he's done so much. He's so well-respected, but you know, if there's another guy, if he is pondering retirement, maybe you could shift him into a different role. I don't, you know, this is just spitballing on my part, but I think if there is a change on the defensive staff, that would be the change that, that I would think would happen. Um, I just don't see Ohio state moving on from any of the the coaches that just had their first year. And, you know, for a lot of the season, things were looking really good on that side of the ball. It was just that end of the year, you started to see some issues and obviously in the Michigan and Georgia games. So an off season to try and correct things, um, but certainly something to keep an eye on in, in terms of what happens with Larry Johnson. And, you know, there's a recruiting aspect of that too, that, that Ohio state will want to be ahead of. So that's kind of a recap. I think we touched on pretty much everything that, uh, that has happened with Ohio state over the past couple of weeks. Obviously we usually do this Bucknuts happy hour later in the week, but we're recording on Monday because CJ Stroud made his announcement that, He's going pro, which wouldn't have shocked anyone except that he waited a while and people got some crazy or there were some crazy rumors out there that people bought into. Uh, like I said before, I think CJ gave it some serious thought, but ultimately he he was always going to head to the next level. I want to thank you guys all for, for tuning in. Uh, thanks to Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan for joining me for the first half of the show. I I appreciate everyone who's who's helped do this throughout the football season. We're going to continue this throughout the off season. It may not be every week. Um, we're going to do some, some basketball as well. Obviously things have not gone as well for the Buckeye basketball team the, the last couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll dive into them. But obviously football drives this train when we're covering Ohio state. So there will be lots of football talk throughout the off season. Thank you guys. Um, I don't have a beer today, but I do have my water. So we'll end it like we always do like subscribe, all that stuff. If you uh, are feeling like you want more Ohio State info, feel free to, well, don't feel free, but sign up for Bucknuts. Um, there's plenty of good stuff that, that we do over there, the message boards, all that, the VIP stuff that, that you get, and the whole 24-7 sports, sports network. So thank you guys again. I appreciate it. I'm Patrick Murphy. Thanks to everybody for tuning in today. And uh, cheers, Buckeye fans.